also 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Matthew chapter 25, 1 Corinthians 5, we're going to continue a series. Actually, we're going to finish it today, a series we're called Thankful in Every Season. Now, God saw fit that at the end of this series, which we're doing today, he was going to blow some cold weather our way. And so we're talking about seasons. It kind of works perfectly because for the first time in a, in a while, we feel like we're in a new season until about 2 o'clock. And then <clears throat> back to South Florida. Here we go. But we're glad to be able to at least enjoy a little bit of cool weather. Uh, beautiful day yesterday. And uh, we're in a new season. It kind of is like the Thanksgiving season. Kind of like fall. And listen, Thanksgiving is a great season to be in. you got all these things going around. But how many of you know that just because it's, it's a season where it's Thanksgiving and gratitude, that doesn't mean that this is the only time when we give God thanks, right? In fact, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is kind of the verse that we've been going through. This is Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, and at the very end of this particular letter, his first letter to this church, he's kind of signing off, he's ending the letter, and he ends it like this, rejoice always. And I found it so interesting that that's one verse. The translators who, who put the Bible into chapters and verses just made that one particular verse, rejoice always, just two words, rejoice always. And then they made the next one just three words, pray without ceasing. And then it says this, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, it is the will of God. It is God's will for your life that you express gratitude. You're not giving him thanks for everything. You're giving him thanks in everything. That means when it's good, when everything's going well, when the bills are paid, when the kids are acting right, when everything's happy in the home, listen, we give God thanks, amen? But it's also true that when everything's falling apart, when everything's going crazy, when the bills are piling up, when work is insane, when the kids are just acting out, we still give God thanks. You give him thanks in the storm when you give him thanks when you've gone through the storm. In every season, we give God thanks because there's different seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says this, there's a time and a season for everything. And gratitude is for every season. In every season, we give God thanks. And I said this, we've been saying it for weeks now, there's no such thing as inner gratitude. There's no such thing as just going, well, I'm going to thank God inwardly. That's not possible. Gratitude is always seen and heard. Gratitude is always an outward expression. It is something tangible. It is something that you could see. It is a way that you express your appreciation to somebody and especially to God. God, I want you to see. Come on now. I want you to hear my gratitude, right? My gratitude. I want you to see it. I want you to, to hear it. And so there are several ways, I believe three ways as Christians we express our gratitude. The first one we talked about is through our giving. Before there was ever the law, Jacob said, God, you put food on the table, you give me clothes on my back, you provide shelter for me. And then he said this, it says this in Genesis, of all that you give me, I will surely give you back a tenth, a tithe. That was before the law was ever written. How did 
how did Jacob come up with that? Gratitude. He just felt so overwhelmed with gratitude that he said, God, I will give you a tenth of everything that you give me. Why? Because I'm grateful. I'm just grateful. Of all that you blessed me with, I'm going to return some of it to you. That's gratitude. I want you to see it, God. I want it to be a tangible expression. So giving is one way that we express our gratitude. And then we talked about this last week. Worship is a way. And we talked about from Luke chapter 17 when the leper returned, right? Ten lepers were healed. One put everything else on pause. He said, everything else can wait. I'm going to return and express my appreciation to the one who healed me. And so that's what he did. He fell down at Jesus' feet because the thing that he asked for, what did he ask for? He asked for mercy. The thing that he asked for is the thing that he got. I asked for mercy, and you gave me mercy. Amen? His mercies are new for us every morning. And so we express gratitude and worship. And I said this, and I don't believe it's controversial. I don't believe it's something that you have to look up and, and go, okay, I need 12 scriptures to, to prove this. You said this. Listen, there's no such thing as silent worship. Now you go, no, no, no. I, I worship silently. No, no, no. You stand there. You're standing and contemplating. Worship requires movement. Come on now. It's, it's an expression, right? It is something that your voice is lifted, your hands are lifted. You have to wiggle a toe. Something has to move on your body. Because, if, if, listen, if worship is expressing our gratitude to God and gratitude is seen or heard, then worship has to be seen or heard. Come on now. God wants to see it. And you say, well, pastor, I worship God my own way. No, 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 you don't. No. You worship his way according to his word. And if he says, lift your hands, guess what? Lift your hands. If he says, clap your hands, you clap your hands. If he says, sing, you sing. Hallelujah. You do what God says. Because the truth is, when it comes to our giving and when it comes to our worship, God doesn't allow us control. And that's so hard for people, especially when it comes to, to finances, but also when it comes to worship. We struggle in this area. God, God I, want, I want to worship my way. No, we worship his way. Because the truth is, I said this several weeks ago, you can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. Because if you have control, you don't have faith. <laughs> Come on now. And you can have control or you can have faith. When it comes to finances, you can have control or you can have faith. And so I want to express faith. Faith is saying, God, I'm going to worship your way. I don't care who's looking, not looking. I don't care what they think or don't think. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to lift my voice. I don't care if they think that I'm foolish. Listen, I'm going to be foolish for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. I am going to worship him from deep within, expressing my gratitude for him. Hallelujah. The third way I want to teach you that we worship the Lord is through serving, through serving. If you're in Matthew chapter 25, we have a lot of verses to cover this morning. It says this in verse number 14. We'll put these on the screen for you, but I encourage you to follow along on a phone or in your Bible today. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. 
to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who received one went and dug in the ground, and he hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he had received five talents and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. Now watch what the master says. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, therefore you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, who has, uh, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a parable that's known as the parable of the talents. I find parables to be fascinating. I've been studying them and studying them really all of my life. What's fascinating about parables is they're not true stories. There was no actual prodigal son at that particular moment. Uh, There was no good Samaritan. These are stories that Jesus made up. He made up these stories to present a heavenly truth, a heavenly principle that was based on something that could happen in the earthly realm. The beauty of the parables is the fact that they're not true stories. Because they're not true stories, Jesus can go anywhere in the story. He is not bound by actual events, and he's not retelling something that's already happened, and he has to go over the exact facts. He is making this up, And he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who had talents. And here's what he does. He gives to his servants his talents, right? He gives to one five, he gives to another two, and he gives to another one, each according to their ability. Then he leaves, but he comes back. And when he comes back, there's an expectation Come on, now there is, this, there is this expectation that the master has that says, okay, while I was gone, what did you do with what I gave you? What I gave you. Now, if you're wondering where we're at in the story, if you were to take this particular story and turn it into a timeline, 
right? You'd have it kind of in, in five different little spots. You'd have the, the commissioning of the servant. This is where, where the master gives his goods to the servants, right? So the, we start with, okay, the commissioning of the servants. He passes out five, he passes out two, and then he passes out one. And then the next part is the master leaves. He departs. And then right in the middle there is the opportunity of the servant. And then you have the master returning, and finally you have the master passing out a reward. And if you're wondering, hey, where are we, right? This little life that we have to live, where we're living in the dash, you know, that dash is that in-between. It's that year that you were born and the year that you're going to pass. That's the little dash that's called your life. And for some, it's 60 years. For some, it's 80 years. For some, it's 100 years. For some, it's a lot less. We don't know how long we're going to have on this earth. We just know that we're living in this dash. It's called opportunity. You are living in the land of opportunity. Just the land of opportunity, right? And the master has left. Jesus has already departed, and he has given to you, if you're breathing, ability resources. Now, some people just have more resources. They have more talent than other people. And those of us who are less talented, <laughs> praise the Lord. Huh? Less is expected, but for those who have more talents, more is expected. But here's where you're living. You're living in this opportunity. But guess what comes next? Whether Jesus returns or whether you slip into eternity... The next part is you standing before him. And it's this expectation. And he's going to ask you this. And this is the question we should ask ourselves every day. What am I going to do today with the resources that he's given me? The finances, the talents, the time that I have today, the opportunities that come my way to, to be a blessing, to minister, to serve. What am I going to do today for the kingdom of God? Because listen, when it all comes to an end, you'll never wish you made more money. Amen? You'll never say, I should have had a bigger office, or I wish I would have had more stuff, or I wish I would have drove a nicer car or lived in a nicer house. You're never, never going to say those things at the end of your life. It's always about how did I make my life count for something? And listen, this is how we make our life count. Service. Right? I went on a little rant yesterday because I'm just watching events unfold in our nation. And I'm wondering, how did we get to this point where it's all about us just wanting more free stuff? How, how did we get it? How did we become so consumer-oriented? And I said this, and I said, man, we've come a long way from ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We've come a long way from that slogan now to this me. Gimme, 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 right? When do we get back to, hey, it's not about me and just 
standing in line for something free. It's about me going over to this line and saying, how can I serve? How can I give? How can I lay my life down? That's why we honor veterans in the way that we honor them. Why? Because they served our country and they're worthy of honor. That's why anybody who serves is worthy of honor. Listen, there's something about service. It does something to us. But it's also expected to us. Because here's the thing, when it comes to all these three things that I've been teaching on the last couple weeks, giving, worship, and service, we have both an opportunity and an obligation to show our gratitude, right? It's, it's an obligation. It's required of us. This is the will of God for you to express your gratitude. It's the will of God for you to give. It's the will of God for you to worship. It's the will of God for you to serve. But guess what? It's also an opportunity. I don't have to give, I get to give. Come on now. Anybody have a crossover to where it's no longer a burden? It's a joy, it's a delight, hallelujah. I write out my tithe check, give over and above, bless somebody. Man, it is a joy to do that. When I worship here on Sunday mornings, I don't go, oh God, here I am again. I guess I have to lift my hands or God's gonna strike me dead. No, there's a joy that comes, come on now. It's exciting. It's like, watch out. I tell my wife if she stands near me, stand clear, sister. Right? Things may start moving. You never know what's going to happen. It's a joy to be able to be that free in worship. And serving? Come on now. Amen? There should be a joy about it. I get to serve. I have this life that I have, and it's one life to give. Come on now. Just one life I have. I don't know when God's going to call me home. I just know this. As long as I'm here and I have some abilities, some limited minor abilities, I am going to serve God with all that I've got. Hallelujah. Why? Because the master's returning. And one thing we don't talk about enough in church, hear me now, we don't talk about this enough, judgment. Because everybody thinks, oh, judgment's for the sinners out there. Do you know that the Bible says as Christians, we will be judged? Watch this. If you're in 2 Corinthians, I don't know if I said that yet, but 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, it says this. Verse number 8, chapter 5, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians, it says, We are confident, yes, we will please, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, we often share that scripture at funerals, but watch where Paul goes with this. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear for before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying this. Listen, Christians, he's writing to the church. He's including himself. We, not you, we we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's two great judgments. One's called the great white throne judgments. That is for sinners, for unbelievers. But Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's also known as the Bema seat. And in that judgment, we will be judged by our works, by the things that God's given us, the opportunities that we have, the resources he's put in our hands. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a master who gives his goods to his servants. And the expectation is, is that while I'm gone, you're going to do something. 
And this is how we express our gratitude to God. God, I'm grateful. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. Hallelujah. I get to. Because we are going to stand before God and our motive is going to be tested. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, everything we do passes through a fire. It's just going to pass through a fire, right? And if we have the right motive, listen, it's going to make it through the fire. But if we have the wrong motive, it's going to be wood, hair, stubble. It's going to be burned up, right? It's not going to count for eternity. And I know this, I want to make my life count for eternity, And I don't have to drive the nicest car. I don't have to live in the biggest house. I don't have to do all those things. All I know is this. I just have to be faithful to God. Amen? Faithful for what he has given me. Hallelujah. You know, my wife and I, when we first got married, we were living up in North Florida. And before the kids came, somebody came to us and said, hey, would you like to get involved in the nursing home ministry? My first thought is, absolutely not I didn't want to but it was like nobody else was doing it and I'm like well what what does it what does it entail you know tell me some of the details they said well you you go in the nursing home and I would never really spent time in a nursing home and so you go in a nursing home and you just go from room to room and you ask everybody if they want to come to church I'm like oh, God, I don't want to do that but then we kind of prayed about it. I'm like, okay, well, maybe. And then I kept talking to the person. He said, I said, well, what do we do when we get there? You know, and I was like, my, this is like my first or second year of ministry. Well, they said, well, you lead worship. <laughs> what? Lead worship? Yeah, they got some hymnals. You just open up the hymnals. I'm like, well, I know the hymns now. I got that down. So you lead hymns. I'm like, was anybody play? No, it's all acapella. I'm like, oh. And you just wheel them down, just spend about an hour with them, and then you wheel them back. I'm like, this is going to be brutal. But you know what? I said yes. So on Sunday afternoons, when I was exhausted, I had to be there. I was on ministry. I was on staff at the church. I had to be there early, open up the building, get all the lights on, get everything ready. We taught Sunday school I taught Sunday school. I teach a Sunday school class. Go, and then I'd go hit fast food restaurant, and then we'd go to the nursing home. And I'd go from room to room. Hey, would you like to go to church today? And half the time, it's like no response. Or they'd say no, right? Or get out of here, kid, or whatever they said. You know what I mean? But every now and then, though, you'd get yeses. Yes. All right, let's go. And you would sometimes wheel them down or some of them would make it on their own and you would wait and you just kept waiting. And then here I go. I had my hymnal out. I'm like, turn to hymn 243. We're going to sing the old standard, It Is Well With My Soul. And there's like six people in the room. And I'm like, Cynthia? She's like, it's all you. I'm like, really? Okay, here we go. Wind peace like a river. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's terrible. I'm like, thank God they're deaf. You know what I mean? Like, nobody can hear anything. You know what I mean? They're like, I see them doing this with the, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, turn this kid off. You know what I mean? Like, and I had this one lady, she just, she was like about five seconds behind us. You know what I mean? Singing, like, win peace, win peace. You know what I mean? It's like, it's terrible. 
And I said then, God, thank you that you're not going to, you're not going to hold me accountable for the songs that I never wrote, <laughs> the songs, the, the lyrics that I never composed, because I got zero talent in that area as well as many others. But, but I know that I'm accountable for something. And I thought, okay. And you know what? We'd spend that whole hour. I never wanted to go, but then when we went, it's almost like we didn't want to leave. And we would pray with these people, and some of them would just cry, and they would just want a hug and somebody to love on them, and then we'd just wheel them back to their room. And I thought, God, thank you that somebody is waiting on the other side of my yes. Right? Somebody's waiting on the other side of my yes. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come today. Here's what I'm going to ask you today. I want to ask you this, because in this room, we have different talents, different abilities. And I'm not here. It's not Volunteer Sunday. We're not signing anybody up for anything. But at the end of service, in first service, I actually had a lady come up to me, and she said, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and we led her in a sinner's prayer. And then she said, where do I start? How do I find this place that you talked about? Because I want to hear those words, well done, right? Well done. God's never going to go, hey, you did it. You, you got that dream car, right? Nothing wrong with dream cars. You got the big house. Nothing wrong with big houses. Hey, you figured out your career. You got that nailed down. Nothing wrong with any of that. Do good and work. Work hard and enjoy your life. But at the end of the day, what I want to hear is, well done. Good and faithful servant. He didn't give everybody the same abilities. He just gave you some abilities, some opportunities, some time, some resources. He just gave you some, right? And the question of our life is always this, what am I going to do today with what he's given me? But also... Who? Who's waiting on the other side of your yes? Nursing home wasn't, wasn't the rest of my life. It was just one year of my life. Youth pastoring. I've done kids' church. I've done youth pastoring. I've been on mission trips. These are, this isn't the totality of my life. It's just I said yes, and that was just an opportunity, a season, a time that God had given me. And I pray that I did it with the right motive, not wanting a pat on the back, not, not worried about who's going to see me. I just wanted to serve in some capacity, right? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.